All right, the NFL, which never takes a day off. The Combine is starting. Aaron Rodgers is speaking today. Actually, on a uh, podcast, Scott Shanley speaks to us. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, before we start uh, in our usual NFL talk, I want to ask you a question because you have intimate knowledge of this. You're, you and your brother are eight-man Hall of Famers in the state of Nebraska, and there's Dean Steincooler to the Makovicas to Billy Legate to the Shanleys that have all played eight-man high school football and come to Nebraska and had great success, and then they've some have even gone on even further. There is a player in Ainsworth named Carter Nelson, and, and, and you may have heard of him, and you probably have, who is a three-sports star that has 27 Power 5 offers, Alabama, Georgia, Miami, of course, Nebraska. Nick Saban, Scott, told him, I've never watched film of an eight-man team or an eight-man football game. And there are some people that around here still have never seen eight-man football. When somebody is evaluating eight-man football, does it matter that there's three less players on the field or the competition? How do you think like a Nick Saban will look at an eight-man football game and evaluate that Carter Nelson is the best player and is a Alabama-worthy type player? Yeah, I think as soon as Alabama offers anybody, I think it automatically puts you on the map as as you are the real deal. And and you've seen since Alabama offered him a, a bunch of other you know premier pro programs have offered him, and I think that's just really how recruiting works. But you know when you're evaluating eight man football players, it is it's really not about the three less guys on the field. It's about it's about evaluating a kid versus the competition you're going against. Because when you're playing at a small school in Nebraska, the the guys you're going against, if you're an offensive player, there's probably not a D1 player you're going against on the other side of the football. So it's hard to evaluate kids from that perspective. But I think if you're good enough at what you're doing, you're you're evaluating the height, weight, and speed. You're mm-hmm. looking at a guy, if, if a guy is 6'5 and 240, and he's run it, flying all over the field, and he's high point in footballs, and he's, or he's a defensive player, and he has great bend off the edge. And, yeah, he may be going against a 220-pound left tackle or right tackle, but you're really evaluating the the athlete just kind of in a vacuum because, like I said, it's hard to, to do it against the competition you're going against because there's not a whole lot of D1 players in eight-man football. Yeah, and Scott, I, so I a good buddy of mine played in Nebraska, Christian, he played against you, and he said that you know Scott Shanley, he just stood out. And when I think of the types of players that are going to go on and have a chance, whether it's a full scholarship or a walk-on or whatever you – to be at the D1 level, there's always going to be that, and we see this even in 11-man football, where some guys just look that different. They stand out. If you are, when you were kind of going through just the evaluation of, you know, the things that, you know, they liked about you, was it very technique-oriented? Was it more about just some of the, more of the, the particulars on your technique as opposed to, again, sort of the traditional feel of, of 11-man football? Well, yeah, I, I think... First and foremost, it, there, nothing was really discussed as far as technique went. They said, <laughs> you know what? You're 6'2", you're 220, yeah. you ran a 10-8, 100-meter. You know, we think we can work with you. And that's really how it works when you're evaluating guys, at, really at, at all levels of high school football, but especially eight-man football, because like I said, you're working with a guy in a vacuum because there's not a whole lot of guys that look like you. And, and you know, I went to the Nebraska camp before my senior year, I think, going through running back drills and coach Solish pulling me aside and saying, Hey, you have really great feet for a big guy and we're watching you. And so those little things you, you start to figure, Hey, maybe I can play at this level. But for me, and I tell people all the time, like, you know, 
no matter how talented you are or you play eight man football, eleven mm-hmm. man football, the biggest adjustment is that first year of college. And for me, my redshirt year going down to Nebraska, learning how to play linebacker, because like you, you guys have alluded to, there's three less people on the field. You're not running a whole lot of exotic schemes defensively yeah. in eight-man yeah. football. So when I'm playing linebacker and I'm covering Sheldon Jackson and taking on Makovic in the, in the hole and doing scout team all year, I learned more football my redshirt freshman year at Nebraska than I than I learned my entire life in six months. So it was my redshirt year really allowed me to gain confidence as a football player and learn the game. So – I know your prowess as a running back, over 4,500 yards and 90 touchdowns. Were you first recruited to Nebraska as a running back? Not, no, not Nebraska's running back. They had me as, a, as an outside linebacker the entire time. But my first scholarship offer was, was at, to be a running back, and that was at, the, at UNO in Omaha. And the guy who recruited me was Lance Leipold. So Lance <laughs> Leipold recruited me, and... You know, the, everything comes full circle. So Lance ended up being on Coach Solich's staff for a year. And when he got there, and I was starting Sam linebacker, he, he kind of pulled me aside. He goes, you know, I still think you could have been a, a running back. <laughs> and, but I said, hey, it, it all worked out. And so, um, yeah, so University of Rascal Mall was, was really the only major school to, to offer me <laughs> an opportunity to play running back. Everybody else was linebacker. That's awesome. Uh, Scott, we, we got the combine coming up this week. And, you know, when you kind of – get to this time of the year and you start kind of getting some ideas of what the draft might uh, lead us to believe. I think we always start with quarterbacks, but anymore, you know, they're, you're not getting a lot of throwing. It's more about the pro day. What, what do you, what's your biggest takeaways when it does come to this time of the year from the combine? I think first and foremost, I'm like most people and you tune in and you watch and you get excited about, you know, the, the performance metrics, the vertical jump mm-hmm. and the broad jump and, the 40 and, and even as a former player, like, you know, we all, we all hate how important the 40 yard dash is, but you, you will see guys open a lot of eyes. And there are a lot of guys taken before me in the draft that ran a better 40 that played one or two or three years. So it's not the end all be all, but I think it's fun to, to see some of those guys in the underwear Olympics, seeing what type of athletic ability they have, because really it has nothing to do with playing football, reacting and attacking and, and how well do you read keys? Those things are hard to diagnose. That's what the film is for. But I always enjoy, enjoy watching the field drills and seeing how guys move in space. But there are a lot of guys who will help their draft stock in the things mm-hmm. you don't see, the things you can't tune into the network and watch. Well, off the side in meetings, talking with teams, and just sitting down and talking football, those guys who are able to sit down and talk X's and O's and, and impress coaches that way have a big advantage. Uh- I know that you spend some time helping guys get ready for the combine. And there are some NFL coaching staffs that are like, you know what, our time would be better suited staying in the facility, working on the upcoming season. Everything is filmed so we can get access to that. And, and a little bit of what you just said, is the combine still a useful tool, though, for evaluating talent? Yeah, I, I think it is. I really do. And I know, you know, a lot of people will say, like I just called the Underwear Olympics, take shots at it and say it's meaningless in terms of, of you know, evaluating football players. But I think it's important to get those guys, those select guys, all in one room, and and you you, you poke and prod, and it is kind of a, a demeaning process. But when you get down and sit down in these rooms and you talk to guys, you get to know their stories, you get to know where they grew up, their, their families how they end up choosing the school they did. And then you talk X's and O's with them. And then you get them out into the field amongst their peers. And you see how certain guys 
how how guys react when the when the lights are on them when when NFL Network has cameras in their face. Some guys just respond to those moments, and some guys shrink to those moments. So I really think the combine still has value, and you know, guys, team, some teams don't even show up anymore. Some teams put a lot of emphasis on it, but I I like it from that standpoint that some guys just respond differently when they're pressed and around their peers. Yeah, and I'm I've always found that part of it interesting when it comes to something that maybe more recently the the student athletes that play college football are a little more familiar with having to interact with the media but as far as getting you know one-on-one kind of getting personal and and asking you a bunch of different questions that can go in so many different ways how impactful that can be with the evaluation and is you've you know in, in trying to you know coach up somebody you know what 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 kind of advice would you give them than when you are actually sitting down with talking to so many different organizations that have maybe a variety of questions that you know maybe the previous organization or the previous general manager didn't have. Be coachable. Just you know, it's really hard for for young guys to understand that, that they don't know everything. And I can remember being twenty, twenty one years old as well. And and what a lot of guys think is, you know, what makes them great players mm-hmm. is is they believe they are the best, and that pushes them and that motivates them. But it's not always the best thing to sit down in front of a, a team and, and tell them you're the best when they can turn on film and be like, well, you have flaws. and then yeah. you, you, you have to be humble. And I think that's the most important. That's the key takeaway is, is be humble. There's a fine line between overconfident and, and cocky. There's, and just there's, there's a lot of gray in there where you can really impress a team just based on, on giving the right answers and being humble and being coachable. And, and I think going back to is the combine important, I think that's another reason it's important because a lot of guys who go up there are the best players at their position at their school, and now they get a chance to be in front of other guys who are the best players at their position at their schools, and it's really the first emergence. It's like yeah. it's, the, it's, it's the wading into the pool of, of what it's going to be like in the NFL. You're now amongst the elite in the world. Is the Senior Bowl a better evaluation than the combine? Yeah, I would agree. I would, I would definitely say so. Just because you're playing actual football and you're in pads and you're doing things, and I know it's kind of watered down, and they're protecting those guys, and they should. But you're getting a chance to see guys compete and you know cover and run routes, and and like I just said about the combine, respond to adversity. You're getting a chance to see that throughout a week of practice. I, I would definitely say that environment is is a better evaluation tool. And how does all that sort of again compare to a, another resource or another tool? And that would be a pro day. Because in, you know you think you're a little bit more comfort in your own environment there. You've got you know your people around you, but yet you are being evaluated. Is that is that one that you you put a lot of stock into? Yeah, I, I actually put more stock into the combine because you're not in your your mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. And the thing about going to the NFL is that you're you're going to move to a new city. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable for a long time. That first year, your rookie year, you're you're moving to a new city. You're finding a place. You're learning how to be an adult on your own. And now you're in the professional world of football. So I, I like to see how guys respond to being uncomfortable. And I think a lot of times at pro days, you, you, can, you know the surface you're running on. You know what shoes work best on it. You're not really thrown in, into anything. So you should perform your best at your, at your own pro day. The, the only thing I think, sometimes if you go to the combine and you have a nagging injury, you have something wrong with you, it probably benefits you to wait till your pro yeah. day. You want to be as healthy as possible. So. I have no problem with guys not running at the combine if they're not 100 percent healthy. There are quarterbacks that are not going to throw. Well, one of them is Bryce Young, but we get Stroud and we get Richardson, uh, and even Will Levis is, is scheduled to throw. 
What concerns you more about a Bryce Young who might go number one, that he's five foot ten or that he weighs 185 pounds? <laughs> I think both of those things. I mean, <laughs> you know, I know everyone points to Kyler Murray and all these other things, yeah. but Kyler's more of a stout guy who's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, great speed. So he can get out of situations, and his, his height doesn't really matter when he can get out on the perimeter and scramble. Um, there are definitely things that concern me with Bryce Young when it comes to his height and, and his weight. He is, he's not going to make a whole lot of plays with his legs and get out of trouble. He is going to have to be able to see in that pocket. And when, when he was at Alabama, he had time. He was thrown to elite receivers, and he can throw the ball great. So would I have a problem with anybody taking him that high? Absolutely not, because I think he has performed and played very, very well. And I think he can be a good quarterback in the NFL. But you're going to have to have a great line. You're going to have to have an offensive line that keeps guys out of his face. Because defensive coordinators, if I'm a defense coordinator, I'm keeping him in the pocket and I'm forcing A-gap pressure and I'm making him see over my 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six defensive lineman with their hands up. And so there, those will be the issues that he faces in the NFL. You know, when you kind of look at the, if I dare I say hype, but there's always, and especially the quarterback position, it always seems like there's somebody that does go through the off-season workouts, goes through the combine, goes through their pro day, maybe even has a good senior bowl, and their stock elevates, and they might pass up some people that have a little bit more of the college football experience where those you know players that they pass up maybe had more big game experience. When you kind of look at, and we'll just use quarterback as an example, when you look at those experiences, say an SEC quarterback who played in a college football national championship, as opposed to someone who didn't, but you know had good numbers and is having some good numbers at the combine and at the the, the different workouts. Who would you put more stock into? Well, I, I think if you look over, and this goes back, Bill Parcells was a big believer in taking experienced college quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the timeline, there's been a lot of proof behind guys succeeding in the NFL who have played a lot of college football. So, you know, if, if I have a four-year starter who's, who's played at mid-major, but, but he's mm-hmm. played very well every single year and showed improvement, or I have a one-year guy who got to take the reins at a, at a Georgia or something like that and led a very talented team to a national championship, it, it would have to be a very impressive performance from him at his pro day, combine, tape, everything, to, for me to take that guy over the guy mm-hmm. who's done it for four years and shown gradual improvement because there is nothing like having experience. We've seen tons of quarterbacks who start for one year. You look, Mark Sanchez was at USC, didn't play a whole lot of football. Trey Lance, we don't know what type of NFL players he's going to be, didn't play a whole lot of college football. So I think I would much rather take a guy who's played a ton of college football and and somebody that I can really feel comfortable with with who I'm taking. I do. I agree with that as well. Scott, as always, we appreciate the insight. Thank you. we got to talk a little eight-man football, so that was nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Take That's care. Uh, Scott Shanley, uh, former Husker, Super Bowl uh, champion. I would like to see the NFL. And, I mean, I'll watch the combine. I mean, it's kind of addictive. Yeah. I'm not going to watch every hour. Right. Um, I wish they would expand the Senior Bowl experience. Mm-hmm. The Senior Bowl deserves a much larger stage. And where they nestle it in the calendar, because the combine is a month later, it's that week off between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Yeah. So sometimes it can, 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 can get kind of lost. I would actually like to see them have another showcase. I know there's the Hula Bowl and there's some other, the East-West, and then there's a Shrine game, which I think might still, might be the East-West game. But I would like to see them do another Shrine Bowl, or a, not a Senior Bowl, I beg your pardon, because it's the only bowl game where the NFL is involved in, yeah. where NFL coaching staffs are there. 
Um, so I, I want them to expand that experience because that is actual football that's being played. Not necessarily the game at the end of the week, but look at how much when you get to the draft, people talk about, hey, this is what they did during practices. Practices, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the practices, as much as they they focus in on the combine, the individual workouts and the, and the different, you know, where we're talking about, you know, the broad jump, you're talking about verticals, 40s, to be able to see those practices, you know, we all saw like Trey Palmer blown by some guys during practice. Like, yeah, you hear more about the practice and, and the game is kind of secondary. So if you could get a lot more coverage around that, especially leading into the you call it the Pro Bowl weekend. I think mm-hmm. it'd be a big part of it right there. I think that that because that's the future of your product right there. And as you kind of get into the Super Bowl, I think it's a great way of kind of celebrating well, that. Going to Mobile, Alabama, as Scott was alluding to, is a better introduction to the NFL than Indianapolis. Right. I, I, I can play the game to be good at the combine and probably get away with it. Mm-hmm. I can't play the game and fake in Mobile, Alabama, because I'm playing actual football. Yeah, there's competition. And there's people hands-on that are, yeah. are with you. I I don't know if that's a, a possibility because if teams are going to start to skip the combine, the NFL will react. Because remember, the NFL wants this as part of the show, and the NFL has talked about taking this out of Indianapolis, making this a big deal around the country. Mm-hmm. But now you got NFL teams like the Packers are saying, "Nah, we're good, we're good. We'll just, you know, we got everything's filmed. We'll look yeah. at it." Yeah. Um. So they're, 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 I'm sure the NFL will say, "Oh," and they'll tweak a thing or two. Give me the expanded uh, Senior Bowl experience, and we're good. Uh, give us Joel Lorenzi, Creighton, Georgetown tonight. Joel joins us next. Brandon Vogel as well before the uh, show is over on a Wednesday on this 1st of March at 1620 The Zone.